Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hello. I'm Shalu Kulkani, a partner with Hydric and Struggles and a member of Hydric Consulting's London practice. In today's podcast, I'm speaking to Raj Didatta, Chief Executive Officer and co-founder of Bloomreach, a digital commerce platform headquartered in the Silicon Valley. Before launching Bloomreach in 2009, Raj was an entrepreneur in residence with a venture firm and prior to that has served as Cisco's Director of Product Marketing. He was also on the founding team of the telecom company Firstmark LambdaNet. Raj, welcome today and thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Shalu, it's uh, great to be here with you. So Raj, Bloomreach has grown exponentially since uh, its creation in 2009 and we now here has reached a funding valuation close to a billion dollars. Can you take us back in time and tell us a little bit about why and how you decided to embark on this exciting venture? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to to tell the Bloomreach story. Uh, if I think back to 2009, those were the days when, when Google and Facebook were really taking off as internet marketing channels. And what I uh, felt is that the class of AI and machine learning technology that was being used by, by Google and Facebook really was being used at that time primarily for advertising. And yet I felt like everybody that went online was really interested in experiences, not ads. Uh, and in particular, you know, the, they were interested in shopping and, and meeting people and reading and so on and so forth. And so you know, I think the core insight that led to Bloomreach was why not harness that class of AI and machine learning technology to power every website, every app, every interaction in the world and, and ultimately deliver profoundly incredible experiences to people. And in so doing, also enable the brands that are trying to recruit those people to, to be long-term customers uh, they would be able to do so in a much more effective fashion by delivering on-point experiences. And with that, we started Bloomreach. And how did you go about thinking in terms of forming your leadership team as you scaled uh, the organization? So it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey, perhaps not that different than many other growth stage uh, companies, because in the early days, it was myself and my co-founder and a small team of engineers. There were five of us who got started at Bloomreach in the early days. And so at that time, the leadership team was kind of uh, obviously incredibly flat. And then I would say we went through a second evolution of that team where the team went from a sort of a founder-led team, where it was myself and my co-founder, to the first version of an executive team. And this is now three years or so into the venture when we had our first head of marketing and sales and engineering and product and so on and so forth and assembled the initial executive team. And that was a profound shift because now the company was being led by a team, not by the founders. And then as time went on, I would say as Bloomreach has scaled up and more recently in the last two or three years as it started to approach that billion dollar valuation, that initial team, which was really well set up for the startup phase, really we felt was not necessarily the right team for the scale up phase. And so we started to bring in people with a lot more experience, a lot more experience scaling software businesses and assembled the team that we have today, which which we think of as a, a leadership team that can take the company through an IPO and beyond. In your book, uh, The Digital Seeker, you've spoken a lot about um, your experiences and particularly it becomes relevant as we talk about um, 
the world coming out of the pandemic from particularly from a digitization perspective so based on your experience and your learnings what would you say are most critical to organizations that are seriously now focusing on um building on their digital transformation programs so it's a great question uh shalu and and you know it's really the the genesis of me writing the book was that as we have at bloomreach powered almost a quarter of e-commerce in the US the UK and and many other geographies i would be asked by boards and 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 leaders at our customers hey what makes the winners win in digital and the losers lose in digital and and so i conducted about 100 interviews and and also spoke to a lot of our several hundred customers and and through my seed investing did some research to try to answer that question and the book the digital seeker is really the answer to that question and the conclusion if i were to summarize it is that interestingly after hearing 20 years of customer centricity that the great digital experiences the winning ones are actually built for the seeker not the customer and so we might ask ourselves who exactly is the seeker and the seeker is the motivation behind the customer and so i may be uh, interested in buying some plywood to build a deck and so i'm a customer of plywood or a prospective customer of plywood but really what i'm seeking is a beautiful deck where i can entertain uh, friends and families and have barbecues and the like and if you look at the research and the winners in category after category what you find is that the winners build for the seeker they build the experiences for the underlying motivation behind the purchase and the pandemic in many ways has accelerated all of that the pandemic has made us ask the question what should be digital and what should be physical and increasingly the answer is, has become that most of it has been digital so it's really been an accelerant what we've seen is is 5 years of acceleration in in uh, e-commerce and and digital adoption through our data over the last 12 months or so and so that's put everything on hyperspeed and and changes the game in so many ways and what shift do you believe um, as a result of this changing dynamic would you expect to see in the leaders of the future coming out of the pandemic what's really interesting you know i think i think what we saw in digital in particular pre-pandemic was that most organizations would have a functional leadership team they'd have all the different functions you'd you'd expect but they would also then have a digital team and that digital team was off to the side and of course now digital is at the heart of every business and so if that's going to be the case then really digital organizationally has to be put at the heart of the business and in fact I think a good analogy for what organizations of the future is going to look like is really to look at the companies that are digital natives and and those tend to be, you know, software businesses, internet businesses and if you look at them in that digital team is a cross-functional representation of every major function in the company. So you have digital marketing, you have developers, you have uh security experts, you have uh digital merchandisers in the case of uh you have product managers Uh, and they are all organized around the digital experience often with a chief digital officer or a CTO or an SVP of e-commerce at the lead. And so instead of thinking of digital as the tech team, we start to think of digital as a as a business team that encompasses multiple cross-functional functions all of whom are chartered to go win in digital and treat digital like the product that it is. and in doing that they think about digital through the entire life cycle of the journey of the company so as a leader raj you've had a career which has been long and spanned in uh, the tech space and it's been rather agile moving from a traditional tech environment now to becoming a unicorn founder so what would your advice be for young entrepreneurs who'd like to embark on a similar path as you 
So, you know, this this question of being an entrepreneur in many ways, we've celebrated entrepreneurs in this last several you know decades, and that's a great thing. But but I think in some ways we haven't stopped to ask the question, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And that's the question that I usually ask first when when somebody calls me from a larger company and says, hey, I'm thinking about leaving and starting my own business. I'm going to first start by asking why. And then my second question is going to be, have you quit your job yet? Because so often people think about being entrepreneurs, but don't actually do it. And I think it's a super hard pursuit. It's not one that risk-adjusted makes any sense as a career. The odds are stacked against you to, to start a business and make it successful. So the motivation has to be pure. And usually that motivation can't be money. The motivation has got to be that you have a genuine passion to build something, perhaps to build, to solve a problem that you're trying to solve. And with that passion, that will carry you a long distance through the ups and downs. So my best advice to a young entrepreneur is first, quit your job. Let go of uh, all of the, the things that bind you to, to something that, that is safer. And then having let that go, really make sure your motivations are pure. Don't do it because it's cool to do. Don't do it because you can get rich doing it. Do it because you're genuinely passionate about solving a problem for the world and that you can't imagine your life in any other way. And if you can answer that question well, then you're off to a good start. And how did you grow and evolve your own leadership style through this journey? So the, the, the leadership style, I think, uh, for me, I've always worn two hats. And one hat is the founder hat and the other hat is the CEO hat. And in the early days, they were the same hat because the company was really led by by me and my co-founder and it was very founder driven. And I think of these two hats as being two different things. The, the job of the founder is to challenge, is to, is to invent, is to push, and is to envision a future that might not be able to be envisioned by other people. The job of the CEO is to lead, to scale, to enable all the things that, that ultimately make great businesses succeed. So what I've had to learn, it was very natural to me to be a founder because I always had way, way too many crazy ideas and a lot of passion to pursue them. But what I've really had to learn is how to be a good CEO and when to let go, how to recruit the best people, how to create the operational processes that, that, that do scale. And, and I've been helped along the way by mentors who I've watched. I've been helped just by, by my own mistakes, by my board and by advisors uh, who've given me great advice over the years and by forums like YPO and others that bring together uh, software CEOs or, or technology CEOs together to commiserate on all the challenges involved in building a business. But ultimately, you know, I've had to trust my own instincts and, and judgment, and they haven't always been right. But I feel as an entrepreneur, your judgment is all you have. Um, and so you may as well count on it. So Raj, culture as we know it is at the heart of what makes an organization successful. How would you define Bloomreach's culture? And what efforts have you made over the years to shape and build it? You know, culture has been at the heart of Bloomreach since I started the business uh, now 12 years ago. In fact, I wrote the document that represents our culture before even coming up with a business plan for the business. And the reason why was because I felt like the only input you can ultimately control in the life of a venture is the quality of the people that you bring in and the environment you produce for them. That's the input. The output then is great products, great customers, great business success, etc. And so that culture uh, document is grounded in a set of principles that I would describe as a commitment culture. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's ask ourselves the question, does the things 
that we do, the processes, the systems, the policies, do they create greater commitment of people to the mission, to each other, to the customers, et cetera? Or do they create less commitment? And very often as organizations scale, in service of other goals, we create environments that create less commitment. And if you create less commitment, then you should expect less on the other side of it. And so I have really centered Bloomreach's culture on this idea of commitment, and then asked ourselves, what would create a commitment culture? And to me, it has always been our several core cultural principles that we've stayed grounded on, things like truth and transparency, things like we to avoid the star culture and, and, and belief in the team, things like own to really make sure that, that we own uh, every decision and every choice, things like think, uh, where we can rethink on a first principles basis every decision, and finally, no dramas to, to avoid the, the politics that often seeps into organizations. And these cultural forces come together, but more importantly, they really enable us to make sure that we incorporate them in, in the day-to-day lives of, of each of our employees. And that's the most important thing. It's not what the culture is, but it's how integrated it is into the operational lives of people around the company. So diversity and inclusion, as we know, is right now uh, a topic of discussion across the globe and is seen as more than ever before key to any successful business. So what did you do to ensure that you have diverse perspectives across your organization and particularly in your leadership team? Yeah, we were, you know, I think I think like so many technology companies, I think we were woefully short in the in the diversity and inclusion area early on in our life cycle, but it's changed. Um, and if I if I think about the earliest days, I, you know, I remember the first 19 employees of Bloomreach were all men. And, and, and we stopped there and we said, if we keep going like this, it's going to be impossible for us to recruit women. And so we were happy to, to recruit the first women at that point, And that fed on itself. Now, fast forward, the company is over 600 people and um, the leadership team is approaching. It's very close to almost 50 50 between men and women. Uh, we've added a, a really strong board member into the mix. And I think the, the leaders are key because they they then send a very clear message the diversity at the top will then cascade all the way all the way through. Now, I think diversity and gender we're doing a pretty good job of, but there's a lot more to be to be done in terms of racial diversity, which we've we've started uh, initiatives to make happen. But we have work to do in this area, and I think the only way forward is to really make sure that it continues to be top of mind, that it's at the center of recruiting, that's it's at the center of mentoring. And it's at the center of all of our of our messaging as we as we try to build a increasingly diverse place. Now, I will say diversity uh, for me is as much about diversity of thought and as it is about gender and race, diversity of nationality. We are now uh, across three continents across the world. Uh, and so cultural diversity is important as well. So I'm excited that we're building an increasingly global company. But but the work is just beginning in this area. And as we come out of um the first half of 2021, and we look into the second half of this year and into the year ahead, what would you say is most important for the way you continue to build upon your organization? Where are the key organizational priorities? So as we think about it, we think all about scale at this point. And, and, and the most important organizational priority, I would say, is enabling the next generation of leaders. At Bloomreach, we're fortunate to have an incredible executive team. But um, the company is not run by that executive team. It's run by the, the managers, the directors, 
the VPs that that to lead major initiatives and teams across the world. And increasingly, as we have operated in a work from anywhere oriented way, what we have found is that it's really important to ensure that the next generation of leaders understands the context, understands the motivations, and is centered on this mission of, of, of building incredible magical experiences for people in business in a way that, that gets to the heart of the seeker. Raj, thank you for making the time to speak to us today. Thanks, Shalu. This was fun. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.